Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Mom was saying it to the therapist. Dad's like doing coke, like right kind of next to us in like the other room. And the therapist was like, stop, stop. If you tell me anymore, I'm going to have to call like child security. Oh, you didn't tell me this story. Yeah. And so then my mom got like super scared. And that's when I think she left and moved out. Because they split up when you were really tiny, right? Well, apparently I was the last time they ever had sex. Wake up, folks. It's Andy Dick. And this is Addicted. Inside the mind of Andy Dick. So many ways to turn. So take your pick. Inside the mind of Andy Dick. Hi. Hello. 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 This is Meg. I'm Meg. I'm Patrick Wanis, human behavior and relationship expert, and my life purpose is to help set people free from the past so that they can live life to its fullest. As you know, this is a little bit of a departure from the actual format of the show, and Meg is very excited to talk to you. Yeah, I don't know about excited. <laughs> well, you will be at the end of it. Okay, <laughs> well, then I'm excited now. Then... You've excited me. That's okay. She hasn't talked much about her dad before or has much experience with therapy, so she is in your capable hands, and so I'll let you lead everything, and it will be here if you need us. Today, this is all about you. Oh, great. So let me start by just explaining that what we're going to do today is not talk. We're going to do talking, but this is not about talking. This is about doing a process Mm -hmm. to make a change, to help you to change, to help you to change something that you want to change. So if you're in a quiet, comfortable place and you're ready to begin, let me pose the, the question that I pose to every new client. What is it you want that you don't yet have? Um, it can be anything. A car? A car. <laughs> and what's stopping <laughs> you from having a car? <laughs> uh, really kind of nothing. I just got to get my ass to the dealership, I guess. <laughs> All right, so you got to get motivated. Yeah. Now, once you get motivated and you get your car, what else is it you want that you don't yet have? These are difficult questions. I don't know. Don't you hate speaking to Australians? <laughs> Go ahead. No, I love it. I love your accent. So what is it you want that you don't yet have? What's the one thing in life you'd like to change? Maybe just being able to support my family more, like financially. That'd be nice. Okay. And to whom are you referring in your family that you would like to support financially? Like my mom, my dad, my sisters, my brothers, everybody. Okay. And, and when did you decide that it was your responsibility to support your parents? It's not a judgment. It's a question. <laughs> when did I decide? You've made a decision that you believe it's your responsibility to support them. When did you make that decision? I don't, I don't feel like it's my responsibility. I just would like to do that, you know. Okay. So do you feel like you need to take care of them? I don't feel like I need to take, like, they're fine, you know. They're not going to, okay. like, if I died, they'd survive. But it would be very lovely to be able to do that for them. So you're a giver. You like to give a lot. I mean, I, to my family. <laughs> I don't know about well, that, other people. But, but some people are not as giving. You seem to be very open about giving to your family. Yeah, that'd be lovely. Actually, this is what I want. This is literally my dream, is to get a giant house and have all of my family move into it. Is there something else that gives more meaning in your life? Well, acting. It would be lovely, like, nice to get on a show, you know. That would be the ideal situation for me. And do you believe that's one of your skills, one of your gifts, one of your abilities? You know, I'm starting to think otherwise. (laughs) I used to think so. Because it just hasn't happened. Okay. And has anyone ever encouraged you to approach acting from the perspective of being able to connect inside yourself to know what you really think and feel? Yeah. What do you really think and feel? Loaded question. I know. You love these loaded questions, Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) Like right now, I feel 
a little uncomfortable. Little. Is that okay? That's fine. <laughs> is it okay to feel uncomfortable? Yeah. Okay. You know, one of the things that I teach is you're allowed to feel whatever you feel. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to feel whatever you feel. And all that matters is how you respond to that feeling mm-hmm. and what you choose to do with it. What is it you feel deeper inside? Yeah, I guess I'm not there because it's, it's hard for me to, to say. Let me ask you a simple question. Could you imagine for a moment that there's another girl sitting next to you? Her name also happens to be Meg, but she's only about five years of age. How do you describe her? Are you saying to describe myself as five? It's not a random girl. It's someone it's that's very connected to you because okay. she exists within you. How would I describe her? Yeah. She is, you know, she was, she's a fun little girl. She liked to laugh. She liked to play with her siblings. She would always prank people. Um, she liked to eat chips. She was a pretty much like a dude. Like, she was a guy. Like, she literally dressed at Target in the men's section for, like, five years of her life. Who takes care of her? Mom and dad and a lot of other people. Does she need encouragement or support? Does she need help of any kind? Yes. She needs to be made, like, she needs food to be made for her. She needs to be driven to school. She needs, you know, just love, obviously. So these are the basic needs of every child, food, Mm -hmm. water, shelter, Mm -hmm. and affection. They're the basic needs. Does she get the basic needs? Check, check, check. Great. What about the other needs? And this is where it becomes much more complex because people think children are very simple, but children aren't as simple as we think they are because children need attention, recognition, praise, encouragement. They need to feel that they belong. They need to feel protected. They need to feel safe. They need to feel secure. They need to feel stable. They need to have a routine. They need guidance. They need um, someone to show that they're really interested in them. Above all, they need mum and dad to say you're really wanted, you're really loved, you're very special for these reasons. Did little Meg get that? Yeah, definitely. Great. Does little Meg have any pain that needs to be released? Yeah, probably. What do you think that pain is? Um, probably her dad. And what about her dad? Probably just the fact that, like, her parents don't live together. And it's interesting because for a child, I don't know if you're aware of this, but children are egocentric. Yeah. That means they believe the universe revolves around them. So they believe that they cause and create everything. Right. So if mum and dad are arguing, the little child, boy or girl, will say, Mum and dad are arguing, it must be because of me, it must be my fault. Mm-hmm. If mum's sad, the child will think, mum's sad, it must be because of me. If dad's angry, the child will think, dad's angry, that must be because of me. So what effect do you think it had on that little girl that her mum and dad weren't together? I don't know. I don't know if it had really effect because they never fought like when they were together. They were just like best friends and they've been like that their whole life. So, like, I, and honestly, I feel like, I mean, you say, like, looking back at it, but I feel like she, like, this was just, like, her life, you know? Like, like, I don't think she thought of it, like, as anything. Like, she was just happy to have a mom and a dad, and that was just a normal life for her. She didn't know that, like, your parents were supposed to be together. They didn't know that your parents should be sleeping in the same bed. They didn't know that, you know? So like it yeah, was, that's true. It, it was well, that makes sense. Nothing because was wrong. children don't have anything to compare with, unless yeah. children have something to compare with. Yeah. Did Did she have anything to compare with at school? Did no, other so were other think, children the same? I don't think it was ever like a topic of conversation. <laughs> what are okay. your parents up to, like five year olds? You know. Well, it doesn't have to be that conversation. It can be a very simple conversation of recognizing that two parents come in to collect the child from school, or the mm. two parents are together, and this one child, a boy or a girl shows up with one parent or doesn't have two parents. Would you like some insight? I would. So I don't know a lot about your story. Mm -hmm. I only know a little bit about your father's story. And I know from my own experiences, as well as working working with other clients uh, of all ages, all backgrounds, that when a parent is in pain, any kind of pain, when a parent has lost 
control that the child is also impacted. Hmm. So children learn four ways. They watch and they copy what they see. They listen and they believe what they're told, often specifically what they're told about them as well as the world around them. They have individual experiences and they make inaccurate interpretations about what happens. Often, as I said a moment ago, about being egocentric, that something happens and the child will blame themselves. That makes sense. And the fourth way is that children will absorb the emotions of the primary emotions of the household or the emotions of the dominant parent or the parent with whom they most resonate. So children unwittingly, if you grow up in a house of chaos, you'll tend to absorb, you'll often be feeling like your world's chaotic. Hmm. If you, if a parent, if a child grew up in a house where there's a lot of alcohol or one of the parents has an alcohol problem and therefore the, the parent is out of control and is unpredictable, the child will walk on eggshells and will tend to have a lot of anxiety. Hmm. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com with the code POD. When I said a moment ago about children being egocentric, there's a new client who just I started with last week and she, it was very interesting and obviously quite painful for her to subconsciously reveal that she blamed herself for being born because her father had had an affair with her mother. So her father was actually married to another woman, had an affair with a woman, that woman gave birth to her. So she blames herself for the whole incident, even though you say this is absolutely ridiculous, this is absolutely absurd. We're talking, though, about the mind of a child. Mm. We're talking about the way a, a child interprets the world. And when you look back, you might see things very, very differently. And as you get older, you'll look back and see things even more differently. And you'll start to recognize things that you got, things that you didn't get. Are you in a relationship? Yeah. And how is that relationship? It's great. And it makes sense because he's such like a the like the complete opposite of my dad. Like just a normal dude, you know. It's wonderful. <laughs> I love it. So you so he gives you a sense of security and stability. Definitely. So would you just so you describe him as someone that's secure in themselves? Thousand mm-hmm. percent. And what about you? Do you feel secure in yourself? Sometimes definitely not. No. But most of the time, yes. What is it that throws you off? Well, I just, I think this also stems from my dad. We've been together for seven years. And in the, more in the beginning, like the, well, the first like four or five years, I noticed I was like super jealous, like super jealous and super insecure. And I swear, I always blame my dad for that because even to this day, he's like, oh, Meg, all guys are going to fucking cheat on you. Like, even if we'd be, be, like, to dinner somewhere without my boyfriend, he'd be like, oh, he's cheating on you right now. Like, you better call him. Literally, it's, like, insane. I'm like, dude, chill. And also, my mom kind of does the same thing. I don't know why. She's always like, oh, yeah, Meg, just, like, be prepared. He's probably—he's a guy. He's probably going to do something. And I'm like, this is the worst. Well, it's not helpful because they're applying their own beliefs I to a situation know. that may not be appropriate. I know. What else throws you off? Have you overcome that jealousy? Yeah, I think so. And I did that by like kind of just not really caring as much. Like I noticed I I fall in love so hard and I care so much. Like I put like a thousand percent into pretty much any relationship I have, even with people. And I get so disappointed when it doesn't get, like, reciprocated. So I've really just been practicing, like, not caring as much. Well, jealousy comes from a place of insecurity. Jealousy is, you belong to me, whatever that is. It could be a possession or a person. And I'm afraid that someone's going to take it away. I'm going to lose that person or that possession. Mm -hmm. Envy is when someone else has something, a talent or a gift, and you think you could never have that. Hmm. So if you were envious of an actress 
then that might be a reflection of, yes, I have insecurity because I don't think I'm as good as that person. I can never have that talent. Whereas jealousy is more about losing a possession. Mm. Do you believe that your love has been reciprocated? I think. I hope. What is your definition and understanding of love? Could you sum up love in like one sentence? Just caring about someone. Okay. Could we make it a little stronger? Could we say something like love is wanting the best for the other person? Oh, yeah. Could we say that if you choose to commit to someone, that therefore what you really want for them is to help them Mm -hmm. to become the best version of themselves that they could be? That's true. Do you trust people? Yeah. I always am told that I trust people too much and that I shouldn't. That's what my dad says. (laughs) Because he doesn't want you to trust. But you you have an open heart and you have a beautiful outlook on life. You're very positive. You love life. You're excited about life. I think you have a very bright outlook. You're probably mainly an optimistic person in the sense of you, when something bad happens, you probably make light of it, correct? You turn yeah. it into a joke. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. People say that's my flaw too because I always Well, it doesn't do have to be a flaw. It depends on how you respond. So we call that in the DISC behavioral assessment, the I, the influencer. So you're an influencer. You're very social. You're a social butterfly. You love people, you, you tend to be very animated, you make people laugh, you tell great jokes, you tell great stories, and usually the eyes fear social rejection. That's just a characteristic, and I would say that that describes you well. Now, you're saying you do trust, and that's true, that the I style, the influencer, tends to trust very easily, mm-hmm. very openly. And yet, when we started this, there was some, there, there was some sort of resistance, which means there's something that you don't want to reveal. About what? Which is okay. Well, I don't know. I don't know what it's about because you don't want to reveal it. How would I know? But wait, what was the question that I was resisting? No, when we started and I said, oh. you said that you weren't yet excited oh. and you kept saying loaded question, loaded question. That means that there's something that you don't want anyone to know or you don't want to reveal. And you Maybe. don't have to reveal it. It's only to your benefit. It's not to anyone else's benefit. It's your. It's always your choice. I can't. But I can't push see, you. I don't anything. know. I don't. I can't pinpoint it. Like what it is that I'm not trying oh, okay. to reveal. I don't know. Or would you like some help? Sure. Get it out of me. You're hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just turn you upside down and shake you. <laughs> shake me like a salt machine. <laughs> and then see what salt and pepper and other spices <laughs> come out. Okay. So, what impact do you think it has on someone who grew up? With with a situation like you did, with a father that's had so much pain and so much uh, conflict, uh, it, it definitely made me like super scared of stuff, like like drugs and like alcohol and like my diet. I'm like scared, literally like scared of it. Okay, what's the connection? I understand the connection to drugs and alcohol. What's the, the connection to diet? <laughs> yes, explain that one. Uh, well, he's like. Both of my parents, they're crazy health people. And it kind of just made me psycho about it. What other effect do you think it has? I think it's made me more reserved. In what way? Because that's not your that's not your core essence. Your core is not to be reserved. You have the gift and talent and ability to be a great actress if that's what you want to do. Because you actually are very good at connecting with people. You're a great entertainer. You're very animated. You can tell funny stories. You laugh very easily. You have a lighthearted nature to you. In other words, what I'm saying is it's not natural for you, specifically you, to be reserved. That's not your core essence. I get what you're saying. And I think that I say that because I and a lot of other people compare me to my dad. So in comparison to him, I am very reserved you know what I mean? Okay, well, let's, let's not compare you to anyone else. Let's just talk about you, who you are and what you want. Right. Who is Meg? Describe her. I am. She is. Talk about her as a third person. You'll see, you're going to start to get some revelations and insights. Talk about her as a third person. Tell me who Meg is. She's, uh, you know, a very small, one inch away from a midget little girl. She's 23. She loves her life. She likes to make people happy. She loves her family. She loves her cats. She wants to do well in life. She wants to make her boyfriend happy. She 
Um, she likes to hang out with her friends. What is Meg's greatest gift? I don't know. You said twice that Meg likes to make people happy. She wants to make her boyfriend happy. She wants to make other people happy. Why does she want to make other people happy? Is she a people pleaser? I, no, I don't think she's a people pleaser. I don't, definitely not a people pleaser. But she gets happy when she sees other people happy. Like, like making people laugh. Like I get enjoyment of when I make someone else laugh, you know? That's what I said earlier. That's one of your gifts. You could be on a stage. So what, what is possibly blocking her from conveying her emotions? Maybe, and I'm just spitballing ideas Spit here. Spitball the ideas. Maybe. <laughs> maybe she's scared. What would she be scared of? Of maybe judgment. Maybe. And who does she think might judge her? Maybe herself. And who taught her to judge herself that way? <laughs> Probably herself. Okay. Children learn that though. When children are born, they only have two fears, falling <laughs> and loud noises. That's it. Every other fear is a fear that's programmed into children. Wait, how do you know this fact? Is this a fact? Yes, of course it's a fact. We think I'm just making it up. <laughs> Sounds Are you ridiculous. Serious? Oh, hold on. So let me just let me just come onto Zoom and talk to Megan. Start making things up. They're only right when they're born of noise yes. and how do they even know what falling is when they're just popped out? Okay, I, if you want me to pull out the study, okay, no, there's a fantastic don't. study. There was a guy that did extraordinary experimentation that taught the way that children are programmed to be afraid. And it's extraordinary. It's actually quite frightening. Children don't have those fears. The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Now, incidentally, you, we still have it today. If someone startles you, you get frightened. Why? Because it triggers the fight or flight response. Startling means there's a threat. So everything else that we believe is the result of the way we've been programmed. We get programmed. Someone gets programmed to be kind and open and empathetic. Someone else gets programmed to be really mean and nasty. It's not natural. You're not born that way. So if there's a fear, it's a fear from something. If, a, if someone as an adult has a fear of a snake, there's a chance that they saw a snake as a child. If they have a fear of a spider, or and specifically phobias are often triggered by an incident, in a one-time incident. Anxiety is a little more complex. But everything that you believe, do you believe in God? Yes. Well, where did that belief come from? Were you born with that belief? No. So someone programmed it. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it's not something that you came up with on your own. So my point to you is, if you say she judges herself, it's not just because she made that. She either watched other people judging or she witnessed it between people. Something happens for you to become the person you are. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So... What is the judgment that she's afraid of? What does she think will happen if she gets judged? Um, she might give up. Why would she give up? And what would she give up on? What do you think Meg needs to change? <sighs> Probably be like just to push herself more, to do more. To do what? Push herself in what area? How? Why? To just be more like, just like... Like, to strive for her goals more and do what she wants to do more. What's stopping her? It might just be laziness. And also, like, I mean, I've said this. Like, I feel like I'm kind of giving up. I feel like I'm a better editor than I am actor. So I'm like, might as well just do that, which I enjoy doing that. But it's not what I, like, really want to do. What's your passion? Acting. What, what excites you? Okay. And the only reason you'd give up on that is because of the fear of being judged. Probably, yeah. Okay. 
And the fear of being judged is blocked because you say, if I get judged, I give up. I'm going to give up so I don't get judged. Mm -hmm. Becomes a nice little loop. (laughs) Yeah. Doesn't it? Uh Do you think that vulnerability comes from strength or weakness? Strength. Why? Sounds great, but why? (laughs) Why does it come from why does it come from strength? Because it's it's powerful to be vulnerable. Why is it powerful to be vulnerable? Because you really it shows that you're like really I'm like kind of repeating what you said. Keep going. Like connected to yourself and it's good to be that way. Like if you're really true to who you are, then you're a wide variety of things and that's a good thing. That's strength. I might argue that vulnerability comes from a place of strength because you say, I'm willing to open up, show all of myself, regardless of what people say, how people judge me, regardless of what pain I'll experience, because I'm sufficiently strong to tolerate the pain. I can move through the pain. But the person that puts up the big wall and says, I'm not going to reveal anything of myself is the person that's really, really afraid because they don't think they can handle what's lower, what's beneath, right. or the pain that might be thrown at them. Yeah. How do you encourage someone to be vulnerable? I mean, I don't think I would encourage someone to be vulnerable. What about your boyfriend? You don't want your boyfriend to be vulnerable? <laughs> I guess you're right. Yeah, I guess it is good to be vulnerable. Why and how would you encourage him to be vulnerable? I'd want him to be vulnerable because it it it's like shows him opening up and I wouldn't want just like a brick wall in front of me every day, you know? You wouldn't connect with any brick wall. How would I encourage him to be vulnerable? Probably by just being vulnerable myself with him. <laughs> so, <laughs> your wow. face lit up. Because <laughs> oh, it was a revelation. <laughs> and what does it mean if he's vulnerable to you? What does he show to you that he wouldn't show to anyone else? That he trusts me. Do you trust him? Yeah. What do you show to him then? I show them all. I don't hide from him. I don't think I hide from really anybody. That's not true. Well, you know, definitely from, like, strangers. I definitely put on, like, a super-duper, like, happy face with strangers. I don't like when strangers think I'm sad. Oh, because they'll do what? Not judge me. I just—it makes them sad. When I see someone sad, I get sad. It's called mirror neurons. Inside your brain— is what we call mirror neurons. So when you look at someone, you will actually mirror what they're experiencing. Have you ever watched a sporting game and someone falls? And you go, ouch. <laughs> yeah. Have you? Yes? Yeah. We tend to absorb the emotions of the people around us. Yes, that's very, very true. Don't you, you don't think that you absorbed some of the emotions of your parents, some of the pain? Definitely have. What pain did you absorb? Uh. I mean, probably, I probably got the feeling of like, what's it called? Being judged or not being good enough. Probably not being good enough. That's probably what it is from my dad. Yeah. Well, you just identified the one issue that every single person has. Not at a subconscious level. I'm not talking about what you see on the street when you see Meg walking down the street and she's smiling and laughing Mm -hmm. because she doesn't want to show her sadness or pain. I'm talking about the subconscious truth. Yeah. That deep down everyone thinks they're not good enough. Yeah, probably my biggest fear. I'm just sitting here asking questions, hoping we might get some answers. (laughs) Occasionally she throws a few out, goes, okay, I'll give you one. (laughs) Drop the mic. When do you think you took that belief on of not being good enough? I don't know when, but it probably just happened because I see, uh, well, it probably was actually a time, huh? You know, I actually think I might remember. I don't know if this was the first, but at least it's the first one I remember. Go ahead. It was second grade, and we were doing a school play, and... It was like, you know, you didn't get to, like, pick your character. Oh, may- dude, maybe it was even early. Maybe it was, like, first grade. But I remember they picked me to be, like, the line leader to walk up on stage. And I'm like, dude, like, I'm going to shit myself if I do this. Like, I do not want to do this whatsoever. Just put me in the back. <laughs> I'll be fine. And I remember it was the play. And we were 
going up on stage and I'm walking up being the line leader and I literally walk on and I walk right off. What do you mean? You, you completed the <laughs> no, exercise or no, you like didn't? I literally walked okay. on stage right. and I walked off and I was like, but maybe that's just, I don't know. I didn't. Maybe I was just scared. Maybe that wasn't a met like maybe that wasn't a it could be a, it could be a great springboard or entry point. Um, would you like to do a little creative process? Okay. So from this moment on, we we could be talking about a little girl. How old were you at that moment? In that incident? I think it was first grade. I don't know. I don't know how old you were at first grade. Five, six. Okay. Okay. So with your eyes open or your eyes closed, can you see that little girl at in the classroom? Mm-hmm. What do you? Where do you see her and what's she doing? She's backstage. So is this before or after the incident? Before. Okay. And what is she doing? Is she standing there, sitting? She's she's standing. She's standing. Could you imagine going up to her? Okay. Could you imagine connecting with her? Yes. Great. When you look in her eyes, what do you see and feel? Excitement but nervous. So after excitement, you also see, you recognize within her nervousness. Could you say, it's okay, I'm here to her? Yes. Could you say that aloud? It's okay, I'm here? It's okay, I'm here. And why is she feeling nervous? She probably doesn't want to let anyone down that's watching her. Ah, so she has a belief attached to the emotion. I don't want to let anyone down who's watching. And you say to her, to validate what she's experiencing, that's okay, I understand. That's okay, I understand. And why is she worried about letting anyone down? Where'd she get that from? She probably just has high hopes for herself. Okay. What are those high hopes? To do good. Okay. And what happens when she does good? She f- feels happy and because she's made everybody else happy. Okay. We're and going for a full circle with this idea. And what do you mean by we've gone full circle? What have you identified on your own? Because I now? just always want to make people happy. Okay. So connect with this little girl. Obviously, it's really important for her to make people happy. Why is it important for her to make people happy? Connect. Now, you just sighed. What were you thinking and feeling? That sigh was, it was, I don't know. <laughs> I, that's what it was. <laughs> I hate to right, say so that. Imagine, but... Im- Okay, that's okay. That's okay. You're doing great. Imagine, though, that you're here to actually help this little girl and you recognize she's nervous because she's worried about letting people down, disappointing them. She's worried about doing bad and she, she's focused on making people happy. Mm-hmm. She wants to make people happy. When did she take on this belief that I must make people happy? What do you mean when? Okay, how did she take on this belief? Probably by making people happy and liking it. Okay, that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. She might have made people happy and she got a great response. What is the response she got when she made people happy? Because this is the answer. (laughs) It's really simple. She got what? It starts with the letter A. A A-T-T. Attention. Yes. Yeah, no. no, I definitely like love attention for sure. Okay, so for a child, the definition of love is attention. Mm-hmm. If children get lots of attention, they feel loved. If they get negative attention, then they'll end up having a twisted definition of love. Right. So the type of attention a child gets will also determine their understanding and their definition of love. So this little girl got attention what way? What do you mean? Well, you just described it. She got it by doing what? How did she get attention? By doing things well. By doing things well that would do what? Make people people happy. happy. So she says the way to connect with people, the way to get love, the way to get attention is to make people happy. Mm. That makes sense. Who did she make happy around her where she realized when I make people happy, when I make people smile, when I make people laugh, I get attention. I feel significant. Where did that begin for her? You told me the story. You told me she got up on stage and then left straight away. Mm -hmm. She she didn't even complete it, did she? Uh Uh-uh. No. So there's something more powerful than just nervousness. There's something more powerful than just the fear of disappointing or letting people down. What is it? And if you're not sure, connect with her. Do you know what it could be? Yes. 
It's more important, though, that you come up with it. I don't want to put words in, in you. I want you to, to, to connect with this little girl who's this beautiful little girl who has this talent, but she has some sort of fear that's holding her back. I really feel like it's, it's just she didn't want to let anyone down and was too scared. So she didn't right. even do it in the first place. So she, but by doing that, she let people down probably. Okay. So she was just too scared. Yeah. Can you say to her, that's okay, I understand? That's okay, I understand that you're too scared. And how does she respond to that? How does she look? How does she feel? She probably feels like she's, she has to do it anyways. Okay, why does she feel like she has to do it anyway? Where's that pressure coming from? Probably not from failing school. Okay. <laughs> she had to do the play. She couldn't just not okay, do the play. True. Everyone had to do the play. What can we do, though, to help her when she has this fear she's too scared to go through with it? Because isn't this a reflection of what's even happening in your life right now? Yeah. What is it you want that you don't yet have? A car. What's stopping you? What's blocking you? Well, I have to go to the dealership. <laughs> well, why haven't you gone to the dealership? Lack of motivation. What do you really want to do? I want to be an actor. Why aren't you doing it? Lack uh, of motivation. <laughs> lack of motivation. What's causing lack of motivation? Fear. There is, if you haven't seen it, there's a pattern there. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, what is that fear? The fear of being judged, the fear of disappointing, the fear of letting down. This is a belief that this little girl has. How would you help her to change this belief? Because it's not helping her. She's not even able to do what really she really wants to do. Doesn't she really want to be on the stage? Yeah. Yes. And yet that fear is stopping her from doing what she really wants to do. The fear is controlling her. She's not in control of the fear. The fear is in control of her. How do you help her through that fear? How do you help her with that belief that's holding her back? That is, I can't let anyone down. I can't disappoint anyone. I have to make everyone happy. How would you help her? How do you help her? What do you say to her? Could you imagine at least putting your arms around her? Just for some encouragement, could you do that? Yeah. What does it feel like when you hug her to, as a form of encouragement and a form of understanding? Feels kind of sad. Okay. And when you say sad, do you mean sad or something else? Because sadness is often triggered by a sense of loss, having lost something you had or something you thought you were going to have. Is it sadness? Is it connected to loss or is it another emotion? And it might be. might be sadness, loss, and something else. What's that feeling? I think the sad feeling comes from just like, oh, for me, it comes from being that little girl and just like wishing that I wasn't in a way. Like I could have just gone on stage, you know? Like it sucks that people feel like that, you know? Well, that's true. Except that's where she is. That's what happened, what she experienced. Yeah. What does she need rather than it sucks that it didn't go through? What does she need? Well, she needs encouragement and love. Right, right. But the and feeling of hugging her is sad. Okay, and that's okay too. And what else do you feel when you hug her? Like everything's going to be okay. Great. And how does she respond to that hug? And how does she respond to that understanding of everything's going to be okay? She probably just says thanks and shrugs it off. And Why does she shrug it off? Why doesn't she open up to you and believe you? Does she need more help, more encouragement to actually let go of that fear? Because it's not just a fear in that one moment. It's a belief and a fear that's holding her back. Yeah. I I feel like she just, she thinks that like, she thinks that people encourage her, but that's like not enough almost. Like she needs to just be able to do it herself to prove to herself. Okay. Like encouragement wouldn't really do much. So what does she need to believe in herself more? Probably to get the attention. From whom? From people. And when she gets the attention from people, what else does she get? What else does she feel? Happy and satisfied. Is it, is it helpful to her to live that way or is it no. working, work against her? Because, I mean, she constantly, her. right, because constantly now she's a puppet. Yeah. And if people are happy, then they're going to be pulling the strings one way. And if they're not, they might just let go of the strings and she just collapses. Mm -hmm. So that, that belief doesn't actually help her. What would be a better belief? 
because someone has to teach her and train her, yeah. guide her in a different path. The better belief to have would be, I mean, I mean, just to believe in herself and to do it and just have fun with it. And no matter what happens, like you're still having fun and you're still doing it, but just to believe in yourself. Right. So I have a simple definition for confidence, what? but it contains just two elements or two components. The first is, I've done this before, I'll be fine. The second is, no matter what happens, I'll be fine or I'll be okay. In other words, for her to say, no matter what happens, whether I do well or if I don't do well, I'll be okay. Yeah. And if I do make a mistake, I'll learn from that so I can do better each time. Can you encourage her not just to believe in herself, but to understand that no matter what happens, whether she does well on that stage or doesn't do well, she will be okay, that she'll still be loved and she'll still be connected. But to whom? Her mom, her dad, to whom? Whom is it that she wants that connection with the most? Both, I think. Okay. So then can you tell her, no matter what happens, no matter how well you do or don't do on that stage or anywhere else, you are still loved and you are still connected to mom and dad. No matter what happens on that stage, you'll still be loved and connected with mom and dad and yourself. Great. And how does she look, feel, and respond? Does she believe you? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. And why does she not believe you? It means she's afraid of losing connection with mum and dad. That means that she believes the connection is conditional. True or not? True. But I don't think that's what it is. What do you think it is then? She knows that her parents like will love her no matter what. But Does she really? Ask her. Ask her. Do you know that your mom and dad love you? No matter what. No matter what. Thank you. Yes. Okay. She, she nodded. She nodded. Great. <laughs> she knows. So if she knows, if she knows that, she loves, that her parents will love her no matter what, then Shorty has a reason to go up on stage no matter what. I think it's her. Like she wants to love herself. Like she uh -huh. does. That makes sense. She doesn't want to disappoint herself. Because I'll make her not love her. What does she need to love herself? Like, what does she need or what does she think she needs? Well, they're the same thing, believe it or not. I feel like they're not. Because I feel like she thinks she needs to do good, like be the best. Okay, now we went from doing good and not letting anyone down to being the best. <laughs> and that's okay. You're just uncovering subconscious beliefs. That's all it is. That's all it is. You're just uncovering the things that you really believe deep down that might also be holding you back from being an actor because mm -hmm. you subconsciously believe, I not only do I have to do great and I can't let anyone down, I can't disappoint anyone, but I also have to be the best. Why does she believe she needs to be the best? You decide what we're thinking and feeling. <laughs> I was thinking maybe, I mean, maybe it's because like I kind of have like a lot to live up to, you know, like with my dad, maybe. I know he's not like the best, but like I think he's the best. So that's probably. But from a child's perspective. Yeah, like he's the best, you know. Right. So what does this little girl perceive about her father? What does she perceive and believe? How does she view him? What does she think of him? You know what's really weird? I just remembered this. Go ahead. It's because I actually, I saw it like a month ago. I have this book of poems that I, I, I wrote when I was like a tiny little kid. And I wrote one about like every single one of my family members and even just like other things like pigs and like leaves and stuff like that. And they were all like so like detailed about like my relationships with this other person, like with my brother and like my thoughts about him and like things he did, like the way he acted. And then my dad's was literally like it made me cry. Like I was so sad when I read it. It literally just said, my dad is famous. And they're like, one other line that was that. And I'm like, that is so depressing. Like, that's all that I knew about him. That's weird. So if you connect with this little girl, what does she believe about her dad being famous? What does it mean to her? She obviously knows he's famous. I don't think I did know, though. I guess I just knew that, like, people liked him. Like, when we'd go out, people would like him, come up to him, give him attention. 
Miss Meg. <laughs> What's the link? What's the correlation? Put it together. Attention. And being liked. Yeah. And people being happy being around him. Yeah. What did we say was the first way that children learn? From your parents. They watch mm. and they copy. Yeah. You're totally right. You can be like your dad or you can be different to your dad. You can be you. You can love your dad and you don't have to be the same as him. And you can love your dad and your dad will still love you even if you don't compare yourself to him. It's true. I do probably definitely do that like subconsciously, you know. We are dealing with the subconscious right now. (laughs) Definitely do do that. So now let's help her a little more because you said that there was a lot of fear. There was nervousness. You said she was too scared. Is there still any remnants of fear? No. Okay. So does she feel more confident, more comfortable, more natural, Mm -hmm. more able to just go up on the stage? Yeah. Can you imagine her actually doing that? Can you allow her to do that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Keep going. You're doing great. So let her go on that stage. Okay. And what does, she, what does she do when she's in control, when she's in command of the stage? She walks up on there, plants her tiny little feet right on the floor and starts singing. And how does it feel for her now that she's actually expressing and her feet are grounded and she feels secure? More free. Excellent. And can you notice that as she's expressing from her heart, from her core essence, she's also expressing her gifts and her abilities, and now everyone's connecting with her and she's connecting with them. This is the power of performance. It's the connection. It's the unity. It's becoming one. Mm -hmm. And how does that feel for her? Happy. Natural? Yeah, natural. Like that's where she should be. Now, when you say she should be, she doesn't have to be anywhere. Is it where she wants to be? It's where she wants Is it where to she be. feels natural yeah. for and her? she's having fun. She's having right. fun. Right, and she feels like she belongs there. Mm-hmm. And why is it that she, it feels so natural for her to be on that stage? That's a good question. There's a reason, and all you have to do is look inside her core essence. Look deeper inside her to identify what gift she has that she can bring to people. If you can see that gift, those gifts within her, then you're free. She's free to express herself, free of the fear of judgment, free of the fear of rejection. Yeah. Because she's just being herself. Does she have a gift, truly? I don't know. Do you doubt her gift? Yeah. So where did that doubt come from? Is it because she's still comparing herself to her father? Is it that she thinks she has to be as good as him, not just as famous, but she has to have an ability that he has or something else? And if it's not father, might be mother, might be someone else she's seen. Or maybe no one ever said it to her. Said what? Did dad tell her about her gifts or was he too caught up in himself? Maybe. I don't remember that. Well, you've just answered the question. So, oh, so no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you have. You've answered the question. If you don't recall dad speaking to this little girl saying, you're gifted, you're talented, you're funny, you make people laugh, you bring joy, you make me laugh, you make me feel good. If you don't remember no, that. No, he would, actually. He would. Not he would. Did he? Yeah, he did. Okay. Because I remember I would always, like, sneak up into, because when he had this apartment building, I'd always sneak up into his uh, into his place because we lived downstairs mm-hmm. like kind of with like his friend and I would always like perform these like <laughs> intricate dance routines and he would literally him and his friend would just watch me for it was actually kind of creepy now that I think about it but <laughs> for hours and I would I would love that okay how old were you tiny probably like five okay and how, what did dad say in response to this little girl when she put on these dance routines? Well, his attention would just literally be on me. I don't remember what he would say, but he says now that they were beautiful, he still remembers them. So what's her gift? Making people <laughs> feel entertained? Yeah, feel good. Feel, feel good. Feel joy. 
when people go to see comedy or if they go to see a movie or they go to any form of entertainment or concert, it's because they want to escape their normal life. They want to have a new kind of experience, whether that's to experience sadness, anger, action, aggression, drama, thriller. It's to have a new experience. So part of being creative is also bringing forth a new experience. So if this little girl can create this wonderful, joyful feelings in other people, if she can trigger it, bring it alive, that's a special gift. Is she willing to approach things with more fun and more joy and less fear? Yeah, she's willing. And so can you give her a hug? And then can you lift her up in your arms and give her a kiss and say, I love you. I love you. Then when you're ready, take in a deep breath and allow her to become one with you. How does that feel? I feel like there's still a little, like maybe just an arm of hers came into me, you know, or a toe. There's still some resistance to her becoming one with you. And that's okay. What do you think that is? What do you think that resistance is? (laughs) I don't know. Probably just feeling like this is silly maybe. No offense. It is. Well, I'm not offended. It's only an exercise. I'm not the exercise, am I? Yeah. But I wish it didn't feel like that because it's like I like the exercise. It's fun and it's cool, you know. But that's just how it feels. Okay. Perhaps it feels silly because it's new. Yeah, Perhaps maybe. it feels silly because, you know, there's people watching and there's people around. Yeah. Perhaps it feels silly because there's an expectation that you've created. Probably that, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like an expectation that that you have as well, you know. Well, I apologize if I've created that. No, no, no. It's literally me. That's okay. The beauty is that the more you lower the expectation in terms of thinking, I've got to be this way, I've got to do that way, the irony, the paradox is you actually achieve more mm-hmm. because then you're more open and there's less resistance. But I if know. you believe it has to go a certain way. It's literally like that's what like the same thing we were talking about. It's that like, it's like, yeah, it's even with you like wanting to – Make you happy, you know? Have you made me happy? (laughs) I don't know, hopefully. But, like, not in, like, just, like, that way and, like, just, like, wanting to do do good for you and, like, yeah. I understand because if that's the core, if that's a core issue for you, then you apply. It is. Now, that's that's a program, that's a subconscious belief that you've had since age five or even younger for whatever reason. And that subconscious belief is going to play out in every relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's okay because you're now reprogramming yourself to change that so that you can really be more of yourself and less what you think you need to be to make other people happy. That's where the problem begins. Because if you set out with, I have to make other people happy, you have to be a different person every single time you're with someone new. Mm -hmm. You're right. And then you'll never be your authentic self. You'll have 6,000 different masks on. When I was, when you were saying something earlier and it made me think of Jim Carrey's story. Do you know Jim Carrey's story? Mm-mm. I think it was his mother who was in lots and lots of physical pain. I can't remember his mother or his father now. Nonetheless, that's how he became a comedian. He would go to all these extraordinary lengths to make his mother laugh so oh. that she wouldn't feel pain. Oh, wow. That's how he developed that that's how he developed to become a comedian. He still had the skill and the ability. The problem is that if you have a gift and it comes from a place of pain, then whenever you're expressing that gift, pain is attached to it. If you're expressing the gift and there's no attachment, there's no expectation. So if that little girl is dancing and doing a dance routine just because she loves the music and she loves to dance, then she enjoys it more than anyone else could ever enjoy it. And then people enjoy it because she's enjoying it. Right. Do you understand the difference? My encouragement to you is to start taking some action in spite of some of the ways you might feel. I would also suggest if you're interested or open to sort of go through that exercise again and and listen to some of the things that you said, some of the beliefs that you brought up that you found out for the first time because you've never done this before. Mm -hmm. You've never dug deeply. Look, you have, a, you have a blessing that you're doing this at age 23. 
to you at 23, you think 23 is old. But there are people that never start looking at themselves till they're 33, 43, 53. And then they've got so much more programming to clear out and so much more pain because if you don't change those beliefs, they create more problems in your life. Yeah. The sooner you heal the early stuff, the better life you have and the easier it is to change it. But this is your first time, man. Yeah. You talked about love being empathy. That was your first definition. Have empathy and caring for yourself. Start there. And my definition of love is wanting the best for the other person. My definition of love when you commit with someone is to commit to helping that person to become the best version of themselves they can be. Apply that to yourself. Apply empathy and caring to yourself. Choose that you want to be the, do the best for yourself. Decide that you are going to help yourself to become the best version of yourself. And all that requires is stripping away all of the pain, all of the disempowering beliefs that you grew up with. Every one of us grew up with. I know there are other challenges and subconscious beliefs and other pains and other emotions that you're not yet ready to connect to. And guess what? You don't have to. You'll connect to them when you're ready to connect with them. You'll say, whether it's with me or someone else, I'm ready to go there because I want to clear that out. But you do that when you're ready, not when I'm ready, not when your dad thinks you're ready, not when a producer thinks you're ready, only when you in your heart say, either I've had enough or I don't want any more pain or I really do want to become an actress or I do want to do this and this is a block. When you're there, then you reach out for help. Okay. This is just an introduction. So uh, what did you get anything out of this? Is there something you learned, some benefit you got out of this? Yeah, I did. I mean, I felt like I opened up a little more than I probably not would have, but like you've asked me questions that I never thought of. So I'll probably like soak it in and then mm -hmm. find the answers when it's soaked right. in. Right. Therapy really is only about healing. And for me, it's, it's not about learning anything new. It's about unlearning the things that you learn that are not helpful. My point is sometimes we don't know and we don't know until we get older and we start to see the way we relate to people, the way we are in our relationships, the way we are in our work, the way we treat people close to us and the kind of people we bring close to us. Only at that point do we say, oh, bloody hell, I need to look at myself because this is not the way I want to keep living. Mm -hmm. So if you start now, Meg, it's a huge blessing. Yeah. Your dad needs the same help that you started. He needed it. 30 years ago. He didn't get it. I mean, he needed it when he was young. Yeah. It, the, the younger you are, the easier it is. He didn't get it, and so it's much harder for him now, and he's much more afraid than you are of connecting to that pain. And I've never spoken to it, but I know. From the experience that I've had helping people all around the world over decades, and particularly working with people who have either had addictions, alcoholism, or compulsive behavior, or anything that's self-destructive or self-sabotaging, I've identified, and it's not unique to me, um, I'm not the first person to see this, that everything goes back to trauma, that in our childhood, we get programmed one way or another because we come out as a clean slate. Our only fear when we're born is falling or loud noises, and every fear that happens from that is programmed into us. And depending on the way we receive love, our understanding of love, the way we interact with the world, do we feel safe, secure? Do we feel loved? Do we feel protected? What do we witness? What do we experience? And what we refer to it as adversity. The more adversity you experience in childhood, the more trauma you experience in childhood, the more pain that stays with you, the more fear you have. And then you have all these beliefs about yourself, subconscious beliefs that either I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm not lovable, I'm not special, I don't belong, I'm an outsider, or the way to get love is this way or I'll never be loved, or I'll never be good enough. And we stay with those emotions, we stay with those beliefs, and those emotions and beliefs therefore determine what we're going to experience in life. And in Andy's situation, as painful as it is to even sort of identify it, I already recognize that he has experienced a lot of pain. I don't know what his story is, but I know that there's a lot of pain based on the unfortunate pattern of self-destructive and self-sabotaging behavior. I also know from my own experiences as well as the experiences of clients that if your, if your parent or parents 
either had a problem with alcohol or a problem with substance or some sort of dysfunction or some sort of mental illness or if there was a divorce or a separation or if there was abuse or if there was domestic violence, that the child too will suffer until the child gets the equivalent help and healing. So my, my, my purpose is to help set people free from the past so that they can live life to its fullest. No matter how strong you are, no matter how talented you are, no matter how gifted you are, all of us are human beings. All of us are imperfect and all of us are affected, sometimes infected, impacted, tainted by what we experience in childhood. And particularly if we grow up with a parent or parents who have an addiction, who have suffer from alcoholism or from some sort of obsessive compulsive disorder. So it's not an easy thing to say to Meg, I know in my heart and from my experience and expertise that you have been affected by what you experienced growing up. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say to you, Meg, that your, your father's a bad person or your mother or anyone else in your life. It's simply to say that that person also was the result of their own pain and their own programming. And that's what you're seeing in their behaviors. That's what you experienced in their behaviors. And yes, your father does love you. He has limited capacity right now or limited capabilities because the pain and the subconscious disempowering beliefs are more powerful than he is right now. But they can be changed. And my hope is that by also helping Meg, her father might say, I'm willing to go there a little more. I'm willing to open up a little more. I'm willing to face that pain first for myself and then for my daughter, because I do believe you have to do it for yourself. Now, you might start off with saying, I want to do it for someone else, but you've also got to want to do it for yourself because that's what, that's what either drives us or holds us back. There's a very interesting study or an assessment. They call it a test. And it's called the Childhood Adverse Adversity Experiences Test. And it's just simply 10 questions. You know, did one of your parents have a mental illness? Did one of your parents have an addiction? Did one of your parents go to jail? Did your parents separate or divorce? Did you witness your parents being violent towards each other? Another one is, did you experience physical abuse or sexual abuse or emotional abuse or verbal abuse? I think for me, you know, I had like a very, very high. And the higher it is for you, the greater the impact's going to be in your later life. And this was the result of a study of 17,000 adults. And then they were able to trace back everything, including bipolar disorder, obesity, wow. heart disease, lung disease, liver disease, all the way back to childhood adversity. Wow. And there is a scientific explanation for all of this. And the scientific explanation is that when a child experiences any sort of trauma, constantly the fight or flight response is being triggered. As a result, the child experiences anxiety, can experience panic attacks, is on constant hyperarousal. The endocrine system, that's your hormonal system, is put out of balance. Your immune system is weakened, so the child has more illnesses, et cetera, et cetera. So we aren't... It's things don't just happen out of chance. Mm -hmm. The things that we experience are the result of things we experienced as a child, whether it's a fear or whether it's the way we interact with someone, the way we have a relationship with someone. I know from experience that every person that is an addict is trying to escape a pain or they've already numbed themselves to everything in life and therefore they're trying to feel a high because they can't even feel a high anymore. Definitely see that for sure. Yeah, and I don't know your dad's story. I hope these insights are helpful and beneficial to you. They are. It's only up to him when he's ready. When he's ready, he says, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to get help. I feel like if that day ever comes, it'll be like when he's like 90. Well, hopefully not. It's not going to have that long. (laughs) The rate he's going. It's not. not, You obviously want him to be around forever and ever, mm-hmm. and you want him to be around in a way that you can connect other than through the pain. Yeah, it's so annoying. Yeah, you want to be able to connect with him on other levels, not just talking about the pain. Dude, I get so annoyed by that. Like, all he talks about is, like, his sorrows and his, like, sadnesses and how he's depressed and everything's sad. Like, he literally just can't get over anything. It's quite annoying. Did he say that to you when you were growing up? No. 
Just now. When did it start? Well, I mean, actually, yeah, he always talks about how he's pretty depressed. And when you say always, do you mean even when you were five? I don't remember if that was... Six, seven, eight? I don't remember. Maybe. Okay. But, like, maybe more in, like, the nonchalant way. Like, now he'll really, like, go into debt. Yeah, now, he, now he's open about it. Yeah. Would your mom remember? Maybe. I don't think so, actually, because it was... We would be... Mom wouldn't be there when I would be with dad. Oh. Yeah. Because, again, if... if a, oh, my God. If I just parent, had a realization. What was that realization? <laughs> I always... I definitely wanted my dad's attention because every time I was at his place, I was never with him. It was always a babysitter. Like, I had a thousand babysitters. Even when we went to Disneyland, I'd have a babysitter and I wasn't with him because he'd be working at Disneyland. And it was, I remember hating that and always trying to get his attention. Like, that's why I would go up to his room in the middle of the night and dance. Should we start the session now? (laughs) (laughs) But that makes sense. All right. Now, now you understand why I was saying it's important to find out the why. That's when you say the gift that I have is being put to good use. And you can still have the gift of being a great entertainer, a great comedian. Just why are you doing it? And you know this, I'm sure you've heard this because you're in that your dad's a comedian, that often most of the comedians are driven by their pain. Yeah. You know, so just to be careful that that doesn't become your motivation. Dr. Wainis, you've been so generous with your time and your gift. Maggie, you were very brave, and thank you. And thank (laughs) you, Patrick. Not was she just very Um, brave, she was very fabuloso. She was, definitely, and so were you. That's my expression. (laughs) Fabuloso. Fabuloso. Thank you. Thanks. You're welcome. Inside the mind of any day, so many ways to turn. So take your pick inside the mind of any day. If you are in the United States or Canada and struggling with anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, or a crisis of any kind, please text HOME to 741-741 and a crisis counselor will respond to you right away, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Text H-O-M-E to 741-741. And to find more resources and support for addiction, visit addictedpodcast.com slash resources or read the show notes of this episode. Please know you are not alone and recovery is possible. It's never too late. Reach out and get help now.